Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This is Dr. Casey Patrick, and today I have a couple special guests joining me. Uh, my usual compadre, my medical director, Dr. Rob Dixon. Good afternoon, Casey. And we have our infection control specialist here at MCHD, Sean Simmons. Hello. So, judging by the fact that we have an uh, infection control specialist here with us today, if you've watched the news over the past week, you probably know exactly where we're going to go with this. And we're going to talk about what EMS providers need to know about the new novel coronavirus. We had a recent scare over um, in Brazos County at Texas A&M with a potential case in a patient that had returned from China. Luckily, turned out to be a false alarm. But how did all this start? Early December 2019, we had a rash of increased cases of pneumonia in Wuhan, China, which is in central China. Several hundred cases have been reported there with uh, 20 deaths, and that number by the time this is released could be uh, significantly higher than that. We've had scattered confirmed cases in Southeast Asia, in Europe, uh, Seattle, Canada. I think we've had Arizona, Phoenix as well now. Um, what is it? Tw 2019 novel coronavirus has been identified as the infectious agent, and coronavirus is just a specific uh, type of virus actually named for its shape similar to a crown. Um, there's multiple strains of this virus, virus, including some virulent strains that we've heard about in the news over the past 20 years. Um, SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, and uh, MERS or MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. And this is just another uh, in that lineage. And we care because these things have the potential for outbreak and for uh, epidemic pandemic type situations. So from an EMS standpoint, who's going to be the one transporting those patients to the hospital? It's going to be us. So Dr. Diskin, tell us about, um, tell us about the new novel coronavirus and sort of the epidemiology, pathophysiology, and how, how this may look, how it may present. Right. Thanks, Casey. You know, I think as Dr. Patrick stated, you know, it's, that's why we're worried about this is it, it's, it looks like it's cousins, the SARS and the MERS, which, um, had a, a pretty high morbidity and mortality rate. And so this is very concerning to us. All these viruses uh, can mutate. So the corona is a very large uh, family of co common viruses that are common in both human and animals. This particular one is thought to be transferred from human to human. Um, it's a respiratory viral infection, so it can run the gamut of mild to severe disease. So what does it look like? It could look like a cold. It can look like uh, upper airway disease or bronchitis and all the way to a spectrum of uh, lower airway disease, pneumonia, and, uh, up to and including respiratory failure. A couple of things we do know about it is an incubation period. So it's between two and 14 days. So between two and 14 days after you're exposed, you're expected to develop symptoms if you're infected. It's thought to spread very similar to the SARS virus and the MERS virus via contact and respiratory droplet transmission. The CDC has developed a rapid uh, transcriptase polymerase chain reaction test, which is only available right now at the CDC to identify the virus. So if you have a, 
a sample of this, you have a suspected case, that's what happens is they take a swab from the patient's uh, respiratory secretions, they send it, and they essentially look for the DNA in it uh, that is common or is uh, specific for that particular strain of this 2019 novel uh, coronavirus. Uh, I'd like to just reiterate, this will present like any other respiratory infection uh, among, along the spectrum, from upper airway, you know, cough and bronchitis to lower airway disease and up to and including respiratory failure. Um, there is a CDC uh, table um, that is kind of the best practice on how to screen large populations for this. And I'm going to pivot to Sean. Sean, can you talk a little bit about this? And then we'll put a copy of it in the show notes for the uh, listeners. Absolutely, doctor. So when you're presented with a patient, you're going to find the patients with the fever or the symptoms of the respiratory illness, like a cough, a difficulty breathing. Then the CDC recommends screening them further with questioning of in the last 14 days before the symptoms onset, have they been to Wuhan city? Uh, or in the last 14 days of their symptoms onset, have they been in contact with somebody who's uh, being investigated for having the virus? Then uh, they can go back and say, you know, fever or symptoms, where it kind of broadens out a little bit. If they have that fever or the, the cough, the difficulty breathing, have they been in contact with anybody that has a lab-confirmed case of the 2019 novel coronavirus? Right, and how would you approach these as a field medic? I mean, Sean is our, our infection control expert and safety officers, and that wears lots of hats, but he's a very tenured field medic. And Sean, how, how would you approach these patients in the field and, and instruct all your, uh, your NEOPs and trainees to approach these patients? So you're, you're called, you're summoned for help. You know, someone has dialed 911, they expect you to respond and help, and you still have that duty to act. Uh, you're not withholding care from anybody. You still need to provide the same amount, the same level of treatment that, that they expect. And so when, when you're approaching, uh, you know, keep in the back of your head that, you know, you, you, we wait for the sirens or... No, I love the siren. Number two can cut it out. All right. <laughs> That's just almost like live TV, isn't it? So uh, let me start back. So when you're responding, you have the call for help. Someone's expecting you to respond. You have the duty to act, and you're not going to withhold treatment from these patients just because you're afraid of a, a virus strain. So you're still going to go in. You're still going to have your normal PPE, your gloves, your goggles, your you know, and your awareness. Uh, now, whenever you start seeing these patients with this respiratory illnesses, you're going to kind of put on a heightened sense of awareness, say maybe I need to start protecting myself or with a mask or put a mask on the patient. So, right. So kind of what I'm hearing from you is this is just a normal respiratory patient, but in the setting of a little heightened awareness of a specific uh, virus or threat uh, that may pose a potential threat to the providers, the system and such. But these are just Restory, run-the-mill restory patients. So we're always going to start mining with our ABCs, uh, supplemental oxygen is needed, non-invasive support, suctioning, bronchodilators, the same things we do every day uh, for these respiratory complaint patients. Absolutely. All right. So public health kind of concerns. Um, you know, Sean, we, we have this regular operational plan for safety and for infection control, and I know you're very um, – involved in that for MCHD and kind of lead our charge there. Can you talk specifically about how you uh, and the uh, public health folks um, collaborated to come up with an operational plan uh, for MCHD? So at MCHD, we, we meet with our public health district 
and their their directors and we kind of come up with with the guidelines that we take from the CDC. So we reference their chart, you know, their fever screen, their their questionnaire screen. And then we we break it down a little bit more for the crews so that when you're out there you don't have to look up the chart and take time out of your assessment, but you know it, it's just a few simple uh, symptom screens and questions for whenever you're presented with this patient. So you we have we have the guideline of your you come in contact with anybody with a fever, a cough, or shortness of breath, and you ask them pretty simply, do you have, uh, have you been to Wuhan, China in the past 14 days? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty specific region that people are going to know. Yeah, I've been there, or well, I'm not sure. Uh, and then if there's also the second question of, have you been in contact with anybody that is confirmed or suspected of having the uh, 2019 novel coronavirus? Yeah, I know it, that uh, it's after you rolled this plan out, the weekend hit, and we actually did have a uh, a false a false positive case. Can you talk uh, in just generalities about how you think the operational plan worked for that particular patient? Yeah, absolutely. We you know we were expecting the uh, the false positive patients to start coming in. We just didn't expect it that quick, but I you know we should. <laughs> but so the the call came in. The, uh, the patient, you know, screened positive for the symptoms. You know, they had either, you know, the, they had the fever, they had the shortness of breath, uh, a lot of uh, uh, oral secretions. And so that uh, prompted our dispatch where we're starting the screening process uh, that they found that the patient had been in contact with somebody who uh, had been diagnosed with a novel corona or a coronavirus. So, you know, we, we kept it kind of broad. We didn't want to increase confusion. So we just said a coronavirus. And that's a, like we said before, that's an umbrella term for a lot of viruses. So that, that prompted our dispatch to alert our field crews that, hey, you need to increase your precautions uh, and look out for your PPE and uh, heading into this call. So going into the call, the crew, uh, we, we had the guideline where you put an N95 on yourself and then if the patient tolerates it, you put a surgical mask on them. Unfortunately, with this patient, it, it wasn't tolerated. There was a lot of secretions, and they had to monitor the airway with non-invasive. Uh, but we didn't withhold treatment. We still continued. It's, it's still a patient that we're going to render, render aid to, uh, just with the heightened sense of awareness that you're going to put an N95 on and still manage care. Right. I like that. So usual precautions with our, our contact precautions, our glove, our, our uh, uh, protective eyewear, and then we're adding one additional layer in patients that we suspect um, may be an infectious risk to to uh, our providers. So I think that's a, a, a kind of a great story of how this was operationalized. But ultimately, that these are just respiratory patients. That patient, I think, was fairly sick, re- received non-invasive and suctioning and all the things that we do every day here at MCHD and, and across this country in EMS for our respiratory patients. So we're not treating them any differently. We just have a little bit of heightened awareness uh, to try to protect protect our providers. So, what does the CDC say about this? I mean, ultimately, they say that the immediate health risk to U.S. citizens is low, and they recommend what Sean has. If you're, uh, you know, avoid non-essential travel to Wuhan, and that uh, now they're starting to screen incoming folks from this particular uh, portion of China. So, uh, Sean, thanks for coming on. I think that's a great uh, kind of time to wrap it up and take it home. Um, so this is a, these coronavirus, and this is novel coronavirus 2019. It's just one in uh, a large family of viruses that most of them do not cause significant illness. 
Uh, it's human-to-human contact, um, and, but most of them, I want to reemphasize, do not cause significant morbidity or mortality. Uh, two to 14 days is what you expect for your incubation. So uh, it, within that range somewhere, the patient should become symptomatic if, in fact, they're infected. Uh, this spreads by contact and droplets. So as Sean said, eye protection, regular PPE, our gloves, and then if we have a, a, a heightened suspicion, we add an N95 uh, for respiratory droplets. Mind your usual precautions, just like any other respiratory patient, but I want to reiterate one last time that, you know, the imminent health threat risk in this country is still quite low for this. Just I, closing out, I'd just like to add my own editorial uh, viewpoint here. So take, It is your show, doctor. T- take, it, take it with a, with a grain of salt, you know. Uh, a few bucks and a cup of coffee, but if you insert influenza here, it will look exactly the same and your risk for complications from influenza are exponentially greater than your risk to contract the novel coronavirus unless you travel to Wuhan, China or in contact with someone. So we need to be aware the CDC, the World Health, all the epidemiologists, the thousands of them that are involved in this right now are doing their jobs and they are monitoring it. And if it explodes in the next month, then, then, you know, we'll have to go back and edit this portion. But for right now, you're much at much greater risk for having problems from influenza. So if you've not had your shot, go get it. It's still rampant right now and the shot will still work. Uh, so, don't be alarmed. Don't be panicked. Don't let sensationalized news panic you. Just use common sense. And if you think that there's a potential risk as a provider out there on the streets, then put your N95 on. That's why we have them. But beyond that, normal respiratory uh, virus, respiratory bacterial, you know, the, the normal O2 fluids if you're hypotensive, pressors, non-invasive, you know, the normal stuff. Do your normal stuff. There's no reason to to swerve outside of our normal lane here. So if you're listening, don't be overly alarmed. Wash your hands, cover your mouth, go get a flu shot. If you have questions, concerns, ideas for future podcasts, hit us up at the podcast email, podcast at mchd-tx.org. Leave us a like or review wherever you listen to your podcast. And thanks for joining us as always. We'll talk to you again soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.